You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh. Proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. LFG-Oz.com.au Or you could visit their store in Canberra. It's in the ACT. For all your board gaming needs. And now, on with the show. And here we are back again for episode 345, can you believe it, of the Dice Men Come With Australia's, without a doubt, longest running board game podcast and radio show. I am here tonight, my name is Mark, and I'm joined by my fellow Dice Men, Garth. Hello! And Leon. I'm not Dice Men Leon anymore, I've been demoted. This is news to me. You just, Leon. Well, <laughs> that's right. But unlike every other time, we're here to talk about games. Shockingly. Yeah. What kind of games, Mark? We're going to talk about board games, card games, role-playing games, tabletop games, games you can play on, around, at, below, under, or adjacent to your table, or even just sitting on the floor with some friends. Because that's what we do here at The Dice Men Cometh. We talk about games. If this is your first time joining us, then welcome to the Dice Men Cometh. Welcome to the family that loves to play games. And where have you been for the last 344 episodes? Because we've been here talking about games and we're going to do that again tonight. But also, as well as talking about a couple of games, we have a competition where you can win games. Leon. Hello. Dice Man Leon. Yes, that is damn well right. right. I am Dice Man Leon. Tell so, us how we can win games, Leon. So our 12 games of Christmas competition, <laughs> where we have a plethora of games. 12, if you can believe it. Proudly. Is 12 a plethora? Sure. Okay. It's a baker's plethora. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. So we have 12 games to give away, which have been lovingly given to us by our friends and sponsors at... Oh, there's so many of them, I'm going to name them. So we have LFG Australia, we have Good Games Australia, we have Good Games Publishing, we have VR Distribution, we have Let's Play Games, and we have Behold Games. Our six amazing supporters and sponsors have given us some fantastic games. These are not games we found lying around the games room. No sorry, Bob. They are games that our kind supporters have provided us. So where do you find them if you don't find them in your games room? We find them where the couriers deliver them, Garth, into our hands in those gold-plated envelopes that all our lovely supporters use. Or at the shop front of all those people you just mentioned. Yes. Yes, so you could go there. So, uh, first off, we have to mention that this is for Australia only. Very much apologise to our international listeners. But you know you are loved, mwah, 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 and that's worth more than board games, the physical kind anyway. It's probably not, but anyway, that's what I'm saying. What, physical <laughs> so- love or physical board games? Whatever you choose. Well, just look, just DM bottom, me, we'll sort it out. The bottom so, line is is that if we happen to have 12 international listeners that won, we would be bankrupted by the postage alone. Yeah. And the last time we sent a competition prize internationally, it vanished into the UPS ether, never yeah, to I be think, seen again. I think the game was that good that the little delivery person <laughs> went, right. oh, I'm going to keep this one. Exactly. The worst thing is that I had put about three or four blocks of lovely chocolate in there 
which they're never going to get, yeah. which I'm very upset about. And some Dice Men custom dice, which we might tell you where you can get later. Anywho. So, to enter this competition, you have to go to the Facebooks or the Instagrams. You might have heard of them. You go to the Dice Men Cometh page, the one, you know, that you like and comment on all the time. What you've got to do is you've got to go to the post about episode 344, that was the previous one, and 345, that's this one. And... For one entry into the competition, you have to comment what game out of any that have ever existed, or maybe in the future, that you would love to play with friends or family this Christmas. That's all you got to do. Just comment that, get a bit of interaction going, funsies, enjoy. That's for one entry. For two entries, you've got to share that post and do that comment. Easy. For three entries, you have to do nothing except be a member of our Patreons, because they're our favouritest people, because they give us money, but also they interact with us, and they get to hear our awesome bonus episodes, and we love them. Not going to say the most, but absolutely the most. (laughs) But not to mention the Patreon episodes are pretty damn special. Yeah, and like two hours long, and we do lots of adult swearing and whatnot. Oh, do we do a special once-only month Patreon episode that goes for two and a half hours that only the Patreons get to listen to, Garth? Yes. Oh, okay. Anyway, I forgot that's a secret. So... But those patrons, they can also share those posts and put comments on them as well to get even more entries. Hang on, is that 27 entries? No, it could be potentially be 10. Oh, okay. So like Either five way. each. Something like that. Gotcha. So, and then we are going to draw this competition on around the, the 10th of November's, November. 10th of December is the cutoff. And then the episode that comes out in the middle of December, we're going to announce all the winners, get all your information, send you out games. Hopefully, you might not get them by Christmas. Bit of shipping chaos at that time but you'll get them roughly around that ish time and leon uh-huh. can we let mark tell everyone <laughs> how all 12 prize winners are going to have to choose all the prizes no do we have to yeah look let me let me so firstly if your name's drawn out first yep you just pick one game from the list and we will be publishing a photo in our social medias of the 12 prize games so first person picks the game they want the, sec- the second person drawn out. They pick the game they want. They pick one. They pick the two games they'd be they'd be happy to take, because just in case the first person takes one of them, there'll be the second one. But what if the I was third the third person? Oh no! Let me tell you. No. They name three of the games they would like because not. if the first person picks one and the second person picks one, they still have another one left. The fourth person? No, seriously, people have skipped ahead by now. I'm just, in the room and I've skipped sure, ahead. Sure. Just to be clear, the eleventh person is going to name all ele- eleven of the twelve <laughs> games, but there's a twist because the twelfth person, you don't need to name anything. Because you're going to get the one that's left over. But in a secret sneaky surprise you didn't see coming, unless you listened to last episode, the 12th person drawing out will get a bonus game that we will select from our big old gaming giveaway prize of goodness that's usually reserved for our Patreons. Yeah, so there you go. So entering the competition is really easy. If you win, it's very, very convoluted from there. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the competition's already over. Oh, yeah. After all of that. Mainly because most of people have turned off the episode by now. We haven't yes. even talked about the bloody games yet. Hey, we're so. giving away games. They're not going to turn off. Oh, you'd be surprised. So, before... But what does the sixth person do? No! No! Garth, tell us about the games we're talking about this week. They choose five. Shut up! Oh, okay. Uh, so we are going to be talking about several games, mm. specifically two. Yes, that is not several, that is two. And I am going to go first, and we are going to talk about everyone's favourite century, and I know it is Mark's favourite century, it's the mid-16th century. Of course. We are going to 
hopefully successfully build a cathedral in a red colour because we are talking about Red Cathedral, which is a really, really little box game that may or may not pack a punch. And after that, Leon, Uh we are going to talk about a game that is pronounced, um, actually... Um, actually, I think you're wrong there, Garth. I think it's pronounced, um, actually... Leon, do you know how it's pronounced? Uh, yes, it's called uh, Um Actually, The Game of Nerdy Corrections. Mm. That's, its, that's its full title. That's oh, you get the point. Yes. Uh, well, I see what you did there. Cool. Uh, yeah, so that's going to help lighten the mood after we talk about a game about a place in the world we don't really want to talk about at the moment. <laughs> but we are, because funsies. But culture and buildings aren't to blame for international conflicts. Well, there's a debate for another time. And probably a different podcast. So let's yes. take a little break. And then us will come back, talk to you about some games. Dice Man Comic. Hi, I just wanted to say definitely do not go and become a patron of the Dice Man Cometh right now. I advise this because if you do, you'll be entered into a competition to win some great games, and frankly, I'd like to keep my own odds of winning as high as possible. So definitely do not go to Patreon and sign up right away. Perhaps just leave it a little while. That way, you'll forget about it and remember again after Christmas when the competition's closed. That's all from me. I'm Tegan Smith, and you're listening to The Dice Men Cometh. Ha ha ha, what a lovely comment from somebody that likes us a lot that's in the board gaming world. Anywho... Oh, well, clearly I won't put in the one from Board Game Barbie here that says Leon is my favourite dice man then. <laughs> it's true, because they have good taste. Because they've met you two personally and they've gone, I reckon the third one, he must be the... Are they still a thing? Uh, probably not. Okay. Anywho, well, do they have our longevity? Few do. Except well, at that time that we quit for a year. But we don't talk about that. Because that wasn't a thing, and that's when they come into prominence. Shut up, Leon, you're rambling. <laughs> Garth! Yes? Uh, Red Cathedral, that's a board game? It is, and just make sure to edit all that bit out, please. Yeah, no. none, of, none of that will make it into the final cut. So look, in the mid-16th century, to commemorate his military victories, Tsar Ivan the Terrible ordered the construction of the temple that would become known as St Basil's Cathedral. Its original design took several decades to complete, and many different teams took part in its construction. So welcome to the Red Cathedral. Yeah, who says that sound board not thematic, eh? Yes. Eh? That sound board. <laughs> it yeah. is so thematic, that sound board. Yeah, it is thematic. <laughs> Can we please turn that music off now, please? So in this particular game called Red Cathedral, each player is going to be playing as an architect or an architect if you weren't watching... <gasps> A particular sitcom that has someone who probably isn't allowed to be talked about anymore in Australia in the let's oh. say 80s and 90s. I was going to say architect, that just sounds cool. Someone that builds like bows and stuff. Why is that music playing again? <laughs> so essentially, each player is going to be charged with building the cathedral. It's like the start of Mr. Bean, but Russian. <laughs> Continue, Garth. Uh, today, are you building cathedrals? <laughs> Each player will build different parts of the monument. 
Now, using your influence with the clergy and the different guilds of the city, you will attempt to earn more of the Tsar's favour than your rivals. And when the work on the cathedral has been completed, the player who has earned the most prestige will be the winner. Praise be. So this game, which is by Devere Games, has been a bit hot over the last little while mm. because the game itself comes in a teeny weeny little box wow. that is really, really quite densely packed. And it's not just because it has six different languages in the rule books. It's because there's a lot in this little game. It's not that small a box, but for a Euro game... Yeah that packs the punch that this one does, it's in a small box. Well, I would say the box is not even, what, A5? Well, we're not talking tiny epic here. We're talking double, triple tiny epic. But still, small enough. Yeah, it's about about half... Ooh, it's about half your standard... Actually, Garth, you won't get this reference, but your standard ticket to ride box... I don't know. It's about half the size of that, isn't it? I don't know. It's a smallish. Okay, so... Apart from the size of the box, mm. this game is actually quite involved. It is a game that can take maybe an hour, or if you're playing with the Dice Man, four or five hours. And yeah, you are going to be playing as competing architects, all trying to construct St. Basil's Cathedral. The game will end as soon as one person has completed their sixth and final segment of the particular cathedral. Now, there's a main board. And that's got a, a rondelle-style mechanic where there will be sections that you can go and do things and you'll be able to get resources and, and play, um, get favour with all the various guilds and do all those things. And that's that's one part of it. The second part of it is actually the construction site itself, which is the cathedral. And this is really cool. It just is a deck of base cards that you will put down and they're the base of the cathedral. Then you've got a bigger deck of middle section cards that you'll be placing in a particular orientation in a particular order above the base cards to build that particular shaped cathedral. And each of them have a top. And then the size of the cathedral, the orientation of the cards, all of that is predetermined by another little deck of cards, which is saying, if you've got two players, use these ones. If you've got three players, use one of these ones. Four players, do that. The setup is really, really straightforward, thankfully. You've each got your own individual player board where you'll have banners on there, which is how you're going to use claiming little bits of the uh, the cathedral to be able to make sure that that's the bit I want to build. And they are 3D wooden pieces as well. They are. They're little wooden banners. Mm. So you say, I have that one. Um, you'll also be able to have your special ornaments that'll make your pizza cathedral even more spectacularific. You could add a nice door. You could add an arch window for those play school fans. Arch window was always the best. Yeah, everyone went for the arch. And Or you could add a little crucifix onto the top of a spire to make it all the more spectacular. More spectacular equals more points. I don't recall them doing that in play school. No. Mm. But anyway. But that guy fell into that bush that time and did a swear. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> that was funny. Well, I don't know about the middle parts or the spires, but I am certainly all about that base. Yeah? I was going to say you're all about being a bottom. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway, so once you've done your setup, you will then go into your rules explanation, which is what I'm going to do. Uh. So this game has five dice in it. There is a dice for each of the four players, uh, one of each color, and then there is the white die. And you'll be basically able to do a couple of different things on your turn. You can either choose to claim a cathedral section. You can choose to build 
the sections of the cathedral that you've claimed, or you can acquire the resources from the market. So in order to claim a section, you go, oh, I'm going to claim that one. And you take one of your banners from your little individual player board and you will claim either the base of a tower or, if the bases have been claimed, any card that is directly above a card that has already been claimed. And that's your turn. If you don't have your banners in front of you, can you say, call the banners? No, you can't. It says it in the rules. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, because that means you've probably already claimed all six, Mark, mm. and you can't claim any more oh, than six right. banners. Now, you're going to want to not just necessarily choose fast and loose with the kind of um, parts of the cathedral that you are going to want to claim because all parts are worth points and money, but there's more to it than that. A Euro game about building cathedrals and it's not fast and loose? Well, this is crazy. Sign me up. <laughs> fast and loose cathedrals? And it's got a rondelle in it, famously made by Sir Rondell. Hey! <laughs> Uh, the uh, other thing that you can choose to do is to build sections of the cathedral, which is essentially each of the individual cards will tell you the resources that you need to spend to be able to build it. You might need to spend some bricks or some wood or some bricks and wood or some bricks and wood and gold or some bricks and wood and golden jewels or something else. Bricks and wood and golden jewels. Once you've been able to place enough resources on there to satisfy the card, you can then construct it, flip it over, get the points, get the money and the enduring pride knowing that you've constructed a piece of the cathedral. That was always my favourite part, the enduring pride. Or you can acquire resources from the market, and this is where the rondelle comes into its own. So in order to do that, you're going to be moving the dice around the board in that one sort of clockwise action. You will be moving your chosen dice, or die, number of spaces equal to the Face up number of pips. Makes sense. If it's a three, I can move it three spaces. That's as complicated as it gets. When you place your die into the section of the rondelle, you will get the resources that match that little space. You might get some wood or some bricks or some gold or some jewels or some stone or some victory points. There are then also, in each of the quadrants, a little guild card which will tell that you can then do a thing. You can do this once per turn and it might allow you to exchange two resources for any one resource of your own type. Or if you've got heaps of resources, four resources of a thing to get two different things. Or you can get some points. Or you can potentially do a free action to move some resources onto one of the bits of the cathedral. But Garth, talking about dice mitigation, which we were two weeks ago, not just 20 minutes ago, I assure you... Um, is there a possible way that, oh, I want to get to this space, but my dice can't get there? Is there a way to possibly move it a bit further? There maybe? is, Leon. Yes. And that's a really educated and informed question. It's, it's like you do this for a living. Nope, I do not. I do this for fun. <laughs> it would be nice to do it for a living. Oh, it would be spectacular. Patreon, Patreon, plug, 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 plug. So, if you decide to move a die that matches your player colour uh -huh. or the white die, uh -huh. you can choose to play one, pay one ruble. Yes. Put extra space past the value of the pip. What uh, if, Garth, uh, uh, that you don't have the rubles to move those dice to extra spaces and all the other numbers on the board of die, you still can't get to the spot that you want? You swear a little bit. 
I was about to say that because that seemed to happen to me an <laughs> awful lot in this game. It was so you end up losing Leon, isn't that right? Yes. No, I was. I was third. Thank you very much. It was. I was very much third out of four, which is a pass in some ways. Yeah. Garth, That's where did you end battle. up? Doesn't matter. You did a big lose. You're a big loser, loser, loser. Yeah, but that was because of Carl's choices, not my own. Mm. So if you do the rondel. You'll go and do the thing in the space, which is just getting resources. And the resources are tight. It is capped. They are limited. Mm. And on your board, which is where you store the resources, you can only ever have 10 things. So you can't just go, I'm going to hoard, 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 hoard all these resources and just smash them all out. Because you've only got 10 slots. Mm -hmm. And four of those slots are taken up by initial load of banners. And then you could quite easily end up getting multipliers of resources, which means you might get six wood. It's like, oh, I don't need all this wood just yet. It's a really tough decision because the rules say you can't just choose to get rid of resources that you've got on your, your little individual player board. You have to use them because you can't lose them. If there was only a way to maybe like turn some of that wood into other resources at particular times in the game, Garth. Well, as I'd been mentioning a little bit before, you've got those abilities with the guilds, mm, which is where guilds. one of those actions is to be able to spend multiples of the same resource and cash them in for you know one or two different things. But really, the game mechanically is quite simple. You get the resources to then move them onto the bits of the cathedral, which you then build, and then you want to score points on those. If it's so simple, Garth, why are you so bad at it? <laughs> because I teach a good game, I don't play a good game. Mm, that sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> you know, I saw something the other day where someone uh, talked about the fact that unions used to be called guilds, and union membership has been going down a lot recently. And imagine if they were still called guilds. Everyone would sign up to join a guild because it sounds so much cooler. Don't you want to be the chocolate guild, Leon? Yeah, the chocolate maker's guild. I too. I've been asked many times to be a representative of the chocolate maker's oh, really? guild. Really? Oh, you think of the hat you would get. I would sign up to be a card-carrying member of the podcaster's guild any day. Yeah, but they wouldn't invite us. <laughs> Just joking. Of course they would. Patreon, plug, 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 plug. <laughs> Sorry, we were talking about red cathedrals and stuff. Well, we, we were, but the, the thing is, this game is is really quite simple mechanically. Yeah. Because as I've already explained it, you get the stuff you need, you move it from your board to the cathedral, which admittedly is capped. You can only ever move three things in one transaction or one turn. So if I want to go and build this section of the cathedral that uses two bricks, a gold, a stone, and a gem, it's going to take me a bit of time to do that. But that's fine, because my banner's on there. No one else can take it from me. So mm. it's just about how efficient and how quick I can be getting those resources on the rondelle to then move them onto the various sections. And, and this is where using the dice is, is really powerful, because the thing I didn't mention is that if you land on a space in the rondelle where there's an existing die already... You get a multiplier. You get the number of resources times the number of die mm. that are on there. Not the, not the pips, just the die. So if one space would get me two wood, but there's two die there, hey, four wood for me. It's raining wood. And certainly there were quite a number of times where, apart from Leon, those of us that were clever managed to get a third die into, because there's only three spots available, into there, which then gave you three times the resources. And then if you had one of those bonus squarey 
things whose name, there's a technical term, but I can't remember it. You mean a workshop? Yes. If you had one of those that matched that dye color or one of the other three that's in there, then you get bonus. So potentially you could get four times the number of resources. Are you sure it's not bonus squarey thing? Um, let me check the rules. No, it's not. Okay, it's workshop. workshop. Just wanted to double check. So the way you get a workshop is when you claim a part of the cathedral because Ooh. at the start of the game, when you play all the cathedral down, uh, all the cards in the particular orientation, each one of those will take a workshop tile face up so that you know if you claim that, you'll get the tile. And the tile might be um, you know, a picture of one of the resources or it might be a picture of a colour of a die. Now, on your player board, you've got little sections for each of the colours of the die. So there's yellow and there's red and there's green, there's blue and there's white. So when you get your workshop tile, you can choose to either place it face down on one of the available slots, which basically means it's dead to you. Nothing good's going to happen. Or you can place it face up, pay some rubles between two and four, depending on the slot that you put it in. And that means, yes, Mark, that every time you move the die of the colour that you've locked that workshop into, you'll then get the bonus indicated. So if I put a bit of wood on the green die and I move the green die, I'm always going to get a bit of wood as well as whatever resources were on the wrong And down. as you said, one of those bonus tiley placey thingy things... Workshops. ...that um, could be the colour of a different die. So by moving, for example, my favourite, the green die, you might then end up getting three times the multiplier of the area where you land... But then also, if you've got the white die as your bonus multiplier thingy thingy on the green die, then you'd also get wherever the white die is, which could be one of those spots. Or it could be one of a different spot. So you could get a whole heap of stuff. Is that clear to you, Leon? Congratulations to anybody out there that followed that, because I've played this game and I still didn't know what was going on. Yes. Yeah. It was pretty clear in the scores. So, but you get wood to get wood so you can build more wood, right? Correct. Excellent. Nailed it. Hey, on. I just want to chime in and wood. say, did you know, Leon, speaking of wood, yeah. do you know what the wood resource is made of in this game? Is it wood? Yes. No. You've actually got wooden wood in this game. And the gold is made of... Wood. It's wood, it's wood, it's wood. But do you know what the gems are made of? It's like plastic kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, they, but I mean, they look like real gems. The pieces in this game are really nice. It's like just by buying the standard version, you get the deluxe version. Because there's, I don't think there's the deluxe version. There'll be like real cathedral bits in it or something. Real cathedral bits? Well, if you go to Russia and maybe no. chip a bit. No, Garth, don't encourage people to do that. Firstly, it's not a good time to go to Russia. And secondly, we shouldn't chip away at cultural icons. Even Isn't if it they're. pronounced icons? E- <laughs> I have a piece of the. Icons. What? Even if they. Leon! What? Don't admit that on public radio. The Dice Men Cometh's name is written on the Berlin Wall. Oh, no! <laughs> Anyway, it's a it's a real quality production, this game. Fight the power. And again, like as you said, for coming in a smallish box that is certainly at least about half the size of a ticket to ride box, or a unfair box, or a trekking through history box. Do you want to name any more types of boxes? Or should I say also a Botoku box, because that is another game. I was going to say Devere. They're sort of running a bit hot. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, uh, the thing I really like about this game is dice usage is always fun. 
Rondell is cool. Mm. The little bit of chance that you get with the pips seems to be always against you. You know, you always want to move the die of your color because you've got some extra bonuses that go along with that or you've got a bit more agency to control it. But it never starts off in the space that you want it to be. And you always want to move it to a space that's going to cost you five or six rubles to get to. It just seems to always be that way. Well, and the international rule of games with ruble-based economies is you always are short by one ruble from what you want to do. You just need one more ruble. And whether it's moving the dice around, whether it's playing to put down the bonus multiplier thingy thingy, or whether it's turning your goods into rubles or rubles into goods with one of the other bonus thingy cards, you never have enough rubles in this game. So, Leon, yep. Mark couldn't do this as a living. No. What? <laughs> it was very technical there. I know the yeah. international rule of rubles. Yeah. So anyway, when the game ends which will be when one player has constructed their sixth and final part of the cathedral. Ooh. All other players get one more turn, but it's not just whoever's built the most things win. It is then going to be a little bit of an area control or cathedral control where each of the individual towers are scored individually. And you will get one point per card in that particular tower that you have your banner on. And then you will get an additional point if you have then made it uh, with an ornament, which is either the door, and you only get one door, or the arched window, of which you get two, or the little crucifix thingy-bob that goes on the top of the spire. So if I have a card that just has my banner on it, it's worth one point in terms of area control. I was going to say, just to clarify, we're not talking about the victory, victory points. points. We're talking about determining who has area majority. Correct. Yes, this was the bit that I sort of got a little bit stuck on, but we got there eventually. But if I had one card with my banner on it and a door, the door counts as another point for area control. So that one card is worth two. Mm. Now, whoever has the majority of control on each individual tower will get the value of that tower. And the value is worked out one point per card. No. Two points per card, plus one point for each ornament in that particular column. So if there's a column that is four cards high, there's a base of eight points. If it's got three ornaments on it, it turns into that tower being worth 11 points. Mm. Whoever has the most point, uh, most majority of that will get the 11 points. Whoever has the second will get the half that rounded down. Third gets half that again rounded down and so on and so on and so on. Mm. You score all of those bits of the tower. Whoever has the most points somehow is the winner. And it certainly wasn't me. Now that bit last bit just there that was the bit that almost i think bought almost all of us unstuck was just that getting your head around there's let's call them area majority points that you've been calculating and then once you calculate who gets the most area majority points you then have to work out what the victory points were and it was a little bit tricky but we got there eventually. I, I knew it from the start straight away. But watching Mark try to figure it out for several... <laughs> felt like hours. It stopped me from caring, I think. Well, it's, it's like... But I still know, beat Garth, though. That's the main thing. It's like looking at a, I don't know, a stick insect trying to learn how to tie their shoes. Or something like that. It's now, just... that I would watch. <laughs> anyway, I think... Look, let's talk about what we thought about this game. Devere Games certainly have been smashing it out of the park. You know, in doing a little bit of research, I discovered that often in the past, 
they were producing games that other people had designed. But with this game, with Botoku, and with a couple of other little games whose names escape me right now, but they are certainly coming into their own as far as publishers go. They've got a new one coming out. You might have heard about it, Garth. Lacrimosa. I have indeed heard about which it. Which is the that old chestnut of Mozart dying and between you and your mates, you basically got to finish off a bit of Mozart. And it was quite a hot little game. Mm-hmm. So they are doing really well. And look, I've got to say, I didn't expect to absolutely love this game. I looked at it, I looked at it and I thought, yeah, it looks okay. Yeah, a bit of all right. Well, it looks old. Like it, it, it's in that sort of Hansa Teutonica, uh, El Grande oh. kind of. It, it, it doesn't look like it's a new release. Oh, see, I, 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 I disagree because I think you've got the quality resources, you've got the little plasticky sparkly gems in two colours. Yeah. And two colour technology. I really like how the, the, the cards are laid out in the different height of spires. That's quite clever. And because it's different for different player numbers. The theme didn't remind me, but the way it played reminded me a lot of Grand Austria Hotel. Almost like where in Grand Austria, you're, you're getting resources to put people in your hotel rooms. In this case, you're put, getting resources to build parts of the tower. But it just had a similar sort of feel and a similar sort of mark. You really like this game for me. Because it's just that crunchiness of, I can put a strategy together, but when it comes around on my turn, I've got to look at where the dice are. And so many times Leon was dice screwed, um, and I was too, where this turn, no matter what I move, I can't get the dice in the right spot, but I can put some stuff on the board. And hopefully by next time, I might be able to get some money so that then I can move the dice around. Look, I have to say, as I said, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it, but I did really enjoy it, and I'd certainly like to play it again. Okay. So, since they have six legs, do you think that they've got six of all the same shoe or three pairs, like, of different types? And do you reckon they tie the what the ones at the front first? Do you reckon there's an order they tie them in? You wouldn't go, like, one side, then the other side. Well, and do they go... Sock, 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 shoe, shoe, shoe. Oh, we didn't even bring the sock, shoe, sock, shoe, shoe, sock, shoe, sock, shoe. Oh, dear. I think they'd probably all go with just the six of the same, just to make things easier. Red Cathedral's good, by the way. It is kind of like Grand Austria light, but I'd probably rather play Grand Austria heavy. Really? Yes, easily. How much is Grand Austria? Pretty much ungettable. So, the thing I like about Red Cathedral... Is there's a price tag on this box yeah. when we got it, and thankfully and generously provided to us by LFG. It's a fifty bucks. Yeah, fifty to fifty four dollars. I think from. Is... I mean, a euro game for fifty bucks straight away. That's already near impossible. And it is a full box. There is not spare air in this particular box, except for the fact that there are six rule books because of the languages, and you can get rid of those. But again. It's great that it's so multicultural and that it provides um, accessibility for for all over the world. I think 50 bucks these days, unfortunately, doesn't get you a huge huge Mm. distance in gaming. For example, the new version of Scout, 50 bucks for a small card game. Yeah, Yeah. ridiculous. So to get a game of this quality, of this 
thinkiness and this, this complexity is, is excellent value. So I, I do think Devere have done a really good job in getting a game that has a lot of replayability, has an interesting theme that could easily be translated into any type of architecture-related thing. You could basically send this in, in the Middle East and you're building Dubai. You're doing any of those yep. things as well. Um and mechanically, Taj Mahal, it's sound. The Sydney Opera yeah, House. it's just it's just really cool. A big house in New Zealand, if anywhere, and you'd probably get a discount for buying three of the same pair of shoes. <laughs> Maybe that's my thought. And don't forget, LFG hyphen Oz. That's a u s dot com dot au. Our fantastic sponsor. Look, we cannot thank Charles and LFG enough for how he has sponsored now for a number of years. He really looks after us. And this, I don't think this game was even on our radar until Charles said, I'm sending sending this down, boys. I think you're going to like it. And we said, nah, nah, probably not, Charles. And he was like, yeah, I think you are. And we said, okay, if you must. And it's blown us away. I forgot Charles is so sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Charles. So that's Red Cathedral. Yeah. I highly recommend it for what it is, yep. which is a really good value dice-based Euro game. Mm. Mm. I'm thinking Converse, but also I could see Air Jordans as well. Can't you see them in Crocs? Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> With their little... Me- oh, that's gross. And on that note, we'll take a quick break and come back and talk more games. My name's Dan, I'm from the Board Game Barbecue, and Leon is my favourite dice man. Oh! <laughs> That's so harsh! <laughs> the Dice Man Cometh! It is a good theme tune. Mind in motion, check them out on YouTube. Well, there you go. We are back. Um, actually... Actually? Leon. Hello. We've got a game to talk about. Um, actually, we do. Uh, it's a game that I backed on Kickstarter. It's called Um, Actually. Oh, yep. Leon. Yep. Um, Actually. Yep. Was it really on Kickstarter? Or did you just assume that it was because it's such a good game? No, it was on Kickstarter. Oh, okay. Uh, so where does this come from? Well, there was a YouTube or internet uh, site called College Humour. Everyone that's listening to this has seen a sketch from <laughs> because they've been around for a very long time. Thank you. Uh, humor was different back when. Mark yes, went to obviously. College. And on the college humor site, they used to have various different you know sketches and whatnot. But they also did some uh, game shows, and one of them was a show called Um Actually. Sadly, during the pandemic, with lots of artistic people not being getting the money that they would like. College Humour went out of business. However, all the writers and performers of that decided to make their own streaming service, which is now called Dropout. And on that Dropout show, there's Um Actually, all this other comedy Um, stuff. Excuse me? No, Um Actually. (laughs) uh, Various different game showy type stuff. And the best D&D or RPG playing sessions that you'll find anywhere on the internet for my money with Dimension 20. They have a campaign called Crown of Candy, which is amazing. It's like Game of Thrones, except every land is like, that's Candyland, that's Dairyland, that's Vegetable Land. It's <laughs> right. insane. Sounds high good. quality. Oh, it's good. Because obviously with, you know, 
with your critical roles and stuff, they're all voice actors. Mm. With Dimension 20, they're all comedians. So it is funny. Anywho. Did someone say critical role? Yes, I did. Well done there. So I'm actually, you can check it out on YouTube. There's about 80-odd episodes there. So I'm going to explain to you how the game show works, which is also exactly how the card game works. Yeah. The card game party game, which I have sitting right in front of me. Ooh. Um, actually, yeah. it's just to the left of you. <laughs> so it is a game about incorrect statements, which you're going to have on a stack of cards in front of you, because there's nothing nerds like better than correcting people. Um, actually, yeah. they're not all incorrect statements. Only one of the statements is incorrect. No, they're all incorrect statements. No, you didn't say, yeah, I'm actually. I'm actually. Oh, you're not helping. On the card, there'll be all correct. On each card, there'll be all correct statements, but one statement will be incorrect, Leon. Anywho, you've thrown me off my game here completely. <laughs> you, you, you Egypts is what you are. So that is what the game. Like, I'll give you something. <laughs> Seriously, shocking. I will give you some examples. We're going Maybe to play... you won't be a professional <laughs> if you get this frazzled. We're going to play it live Woo! on a pod, pre-recorded podcast right now. Okay. And I've got two cards in front of me. They're both from the 80s and 90s. Ooh. You guys remember the 80s and 90s, right? If you're talking the 1680s and 1690s, <laughs> so, when Mark was building the Red Cathedral. You can buzz in any time. Your buzzer... Shut up, Mark. Your buzzer is your name. And then you have to say, um, actually. If you don't say, um, actually, I won't give you the point. And you will try and tell me what is incorrect about the statement I'm about to say. This is about the 1991 film Hudson Hawk, which I absolutely love. Years Bruce later, Willis. Years later found out that it was one of the biggest like flops yeah. in movie history. Cult favourite. But legitimately, I don't care what anyone says, is a good movie. Mm. I don't care what anyone okay. says. Okay, okay. So, expert burglar Eddie Hawkins is blackmailed into stealing art pieces that contain parts of a machine designed by Leonardo da Vinci for turning lead into gold. He faces off against two thugs called called the Mario Brothers, as well as four CIA agents with candy bar code names. Armin Joy, Kit Kat, Snickers, and Butterfingers, and their boss, Mr. Goodbar. Mark, um, actually... I don't think those four names of CIA agents were correct. I think one of them was wrong, and he may have been called Hershey's Kiss. You're kind of on the track there, so since that is highlighted in yellow in this card, Mark, I will give you that point because there is an incorrect name in there. You're on the right track, but you weren't specific enough. Garth. Garth. Yes. Um, Actually. Yes. There were three Mario brothers. No, that was that was not the correct one. Okay. The correct answer is the CIA boss isn't named Mr. Goodbar. Oh, is he, he is called Mr. Fa- Peanut Buttercup? No. I'm um, um, actually is he named Mr. Peanut Buttercup? No. Uh, he doesn't actually have a cool code. Oh, name. He, if just, he did, it would be Mr. Peanut. His name is George Kaplan. Oh, there you go. That's right. it. But the other ones are correct. They all do have candy bar code names. Have you ever had a Kaplan bar? I've never had a no. Kaplan bar. Uh, a fun fact, before that, they were named after diseases, and one of them was called Chlamydia for a year. They, they didn't enjoy that. So that's how one of them, one of the cards uh-huh. works. I'm going to do another one okay. for funsies. This one is about the 86 film called Top Gun. Oh, yes! yes. We're on the highway to the danger zone now. Indeed. It's sort of had a bit of a comeback. Don't call it a comeback, though. Sort of. It's like the biggest movie of the year. Yes, biggest movie ever, isn't it now? <laughs> Close to it. So... 
Pete Maverick Mitchell is invited to join the U.S. Air Force's most prestigious air combat school known as Top Gun. He suffers a crisis of confidence when one of his maneuvers leads to the accidental death of his friend and co-pilot, Goose. Garth. Yes, Garth. Um, actually. Yes? It's not his maneuver that leads to Goose's death. It's the faulty lead on his plane that does that and knocks him out. That's not what I have on the card here. But it's true. I don't know. Marky, want to jump in? Finish question. All right, but ultimately graduates and become and decides to become a Top Gun instructor. Mark, yes. Um, actually, yes. It's not the maneuver. uh, It is the maneuver that kills him because it's a flat. They're in a flat spin heading out to sea, and then when Goose ejects, the the uh, canopy doesn't quite come off of the F fourteen Tomcat. So. It is correct. No, However, oh, what was I going to say? I have a feeling that he, they want him to come back as a Top Gun instructor, but he says, no, I don't want to. I go I want to go out and do the real stuff. You're both completely wrong in every single way. Oh, Top Gun is not the Air Force's most prestigious Oh, Air it's the Combat Navy! School. It's the Navy! Oh, what, my God. Mark, what did you do for many years? Oh, I was in the Navy. You was in the Navy! Yeah. So there you go. That's the kind of game you're looking at here. Now, this box in front of me of um actually has about 10 different topics, and each topic has around, I haven't counted them, but something like 60-odd different questions in there. So you've got heaps and heaps and heaps of replayability. Mark. Yes? I'm um, actually. Yep. Can we do another one? Because I don't think that was fair. Oh, what the, I've got a guard. Because it wasn't the manoeuvre. It was the canopy that killed. I don't know. No, but if he hadn't that. gone into a flat spin heading out to sea and said, God, Mav, I'm in a flat spin heading out to sea, then they wouldn't have had to eject. Well, sadly, this is still a podcast about board games and card games, so we should probably talk about the board game and card game while I'm attempting to get this bloody box open. So I do remember, though, Leon, when you showed us this game, is there are, while I'm just looking over your shoulder, there's one, two, heaps. three, four, four, there's about 12, 13, 14 different categories of questions. Yeah. And each category, there's about... What twenty or thirty cards? So there is, and they are double, and they are double sided. <gasps> double sided card technology. Yes, there they are huge, and there's all sorts of nerdy questions like. Garth just grabbed the Garth? wrong stack. I've grabbed the wrong. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, before oh. before we answer any more bloody questions, I need yes. to tell you how this game works. Okay. So what's going to happen? is that there's going to be nine normal questions, much like the ones I just read out to you. There's also going to be two shiny questions in the game. Shiny questions, much like shiny Pokemon, are worth the same amount of points, they're just a little bit rarer. And in those sections, you actually have your own marker and little whiteout whiteboard. And you're going to be doing things like drawing or writing a list of things or doing various different activities. It's much fun had by all. And then the final... 12th question of the game is always not about nerdy stuff at all it's about real life skills are there any of those questions in the uh, in is, this board game edition there is plenty of stuff and here. and um actually yeah second question follow up for the first question yeah can we play one of the shiny ones because i'm curious about them and i on radio probably not because you have to write down stuff no but then we have to read it out don't we i mean a few pause seconds while we write it down will be okay uh, it sounds like fun, Leon. Feels like Mark wants to take control of your interview, yeah. your, your segment. So in Avengers Endgame, <gasps> yep, which is a nine uh, a, a two thousand and nineteen film mm. for those playing it. It is. Uh-huh. It sees the heroes traveling back in time to secure six Infinity Stones. 
The team separates into groups, with each group travelling to a different time to get one of the stones. Captain America faces off against his past... Leon! Um, actually, at least one of the groups goes after multiple stones, not just one. Oh my god. Um, actually, not every group is going after one stone. That's why they call you One Stone Leon. Yeah, so that's why you don't play this game with me. So in the actual rules of this game, it says that you would do one question and then pass the stack to, I think, the person that got that correct. Mm. And then they would read out one. I played this the other night with my friends. Since it is a party game, obviously, you don't have to obey the rules that much. I just read out all of them to them. And I really enjoy being the question person. And here's a stack of real life ones. Oh, real life. So you do that and you have a bit of fun. You look at the points and then you kind of go from there. There's also a QR code on the game book, which takes you to... Um, actually, it's called a rule book. Yes, it is called a rule book. Well done, guys. Yes, a point. Uh, which takes you to a format page where you can make your own questions. Because this is a game that you very much could customize it to you the way you want it much like say the game where words where you can put in your own custom words and then just do an entire one based off say oh i don't know professional wrestling which would be lots of fun <laughs> uh you could do that with your friends in this game very very easily so it's just much much fun to be had by all um actually leon hello i've got four questions for you wow this is relating to real life skills and information and you need to tell me uh-huh. which of these statements is true okay and which is false uh-huh so turkey makes you tired because it contains tryptophan. That's true. No, turkey does not have enough tryptophan to make you sleepy. Well, Seinfeld lied to me then. There you go. Carrots improve your night vision. True. False. No, it's false. The British Air Force spread this myth to hide their radar technology. Oh, that's right. Apples help keep you regular. Well, there's a lot of fibre in it. Correct. It depends, says depends it on this card... Them. Alcohol, alcohol. Apples have lots of fiber, and their pectin is especially helpful. And milk makes you generate more mucus. Yes. No. Studies show that nasal secretions do not increase with milk consumption, Leon. So informative and gross. And you fail all of those because you never said, I'm actually. With the shiny questions, you don't have to. Okay, damn. Oh, no, it's the... Oh, if you've got the real life ones at the end, then yeah, I guess. Uh, no, I think these are. These Garth, are, you look gagging to ask a question there. Sure. So this is about the 2014 film series Guardians of the Galaxy. I've heard of it. <laughs> so the Yaka Arrow is a deadly Centaurian weapon that is capable of complicated flight patterns that can pierce through multiple enemies. It's controlled by visualizing the target, but Yondu Udonta who is a master of the weapon, claims that the key is to guide it with your heart rather than with your head. Leon. I'm actually, it's guided by sound. Yes. Well, the Yaka arrow isn't controlled by visualising the target. The arrow is made of sound-sensitive material and is controlled by... I'm actually, Mark... No! I'm actually whistling. Yes. Uh, so, so sound, being controlled by sound isn't good enough. You need to say the word whistling. Oh, sound comes game. in many forms, Leon, like uh, this. Either way, this has been... Couldn't control the yuck arrow with that, could you? Either way, this has been possibly the worst segment we've ever done. Uh, I think it's one of the most fun because we've got to play a real game. Yes, it is a really enjoyable game. Also, for anybody out there that goes, I'd really like something new to watch, there's 80 episodes of it on YouTube and they're all half an hour long and they're all really funny. So, What about the 340-something episodes of The Dice Men Cometh? They're not as entertaining. Um, Especially actually, this one. Um, actually, 
Yes. Yeah, that's probably correct. Okay, cool. No, but um, actually, huh? I must admit again, I think this is the second time I've said that this episode, mm-hmm. I had a surprisingly good amount of fun playing that game. It is very niche nerdy sometimes with the questions, and you certainly wouldn't want to play it with your only no. slightly nerd friends. It's all Leon. Yes. <laughs> Or your very, very, very nerdy friend. It's very much like that. What's that other game that you can't play with me? Uh, geek it up, whatever. Uh, geek, geek, out. Out. geek out. Geek, geek out. up. Geek bits. Either one. Geek bits, yes. Geek bits. You can't play. <laughs> but, as Mark said, there's lots, geek of, bits out. there's lots of categories in here. So you could have, say, all nine questions based on, say, anime, if that's your group's specific type of what thing. What is that? Don't worry, old man. Okay. But what you what you are supposed to do is go around the table and ask people which topic would you like and then pe- pick one of the questions from it and that's kind of how you yeah. build the deck. But if you play this properly, again, it's a party game. You could just throw away the entire box and you've got several hundred questions to ask your friends. Oh, that's why when I was watching it on YouTube yeah, and it said this is going to be a anime episode, it was like the first question was anime and then the second one... It was like movies, and I was like, that's not anime. Because And hang on, I know what you're going to say. Yes, there are anime movies, but no, this particular second question wasn't an anime movie question. It was something completely different. It was like Predator or something. So that's why they had the... Mi- oh, I get it now. They had the mixed-up deck of questions. Continue. Well, the, no, the YouTube show, um, they have many episodes where they go, this one's about sitcoms, and yeah. the question's about sitcoms. Uh, so I don't know what on earth you were watching. I was watching a different one. Anyway, this is still... One of the worst segments we've ever done. But that was um actually by a company called Wiggles 3D. They didn't send it to us. I had to pay for it on mm. Kickstarter. Uh, and I have no idea if you can buy it. So you've just wasted your time completely. <laughs> but if you can get your hands on that QR code, you can just make it yourself. Or if you watch an episode on YouTube, you can go, well, we could do that. Much like, uh, what's that other game where we just make our own things? The party one. We play it at the BorderCon all the time. Time's up. Time's up. There you go. Oh, it was either that or Twilight Struggle. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Time's Up. Time's Up. Time's Up is the end of the episode. Time's Up. Don't you want to play that a bit more? Of episode 345 of the Dice Men Cometh. And remember, the competition, if you want to know more about it, go back to the start of this episode and listen, because Leon explains it really well, including how to enter. And remember, the cutoff date for the competition is December the 10th. You must have done your liking, sharing, com- commenting and sharing or joined Patreon. I mean, that's the best option, really, because you get a lot more entries. Obviously. Not to mention but, all of our secret episodes. Correct. Yeah. And custom dice. Yes. And bonus entries into this competition, as well as the Patreons having their own giveaway that you don't even have to do anything to enter. You just in it anyway. Anyway... 10th of December is the cutoff for the competition. Thank you so much for listening to episode 345. And we'll be back before you know it to draw that amazing competition. Thank you all so much um, for actually, listening. Actually, oh. we'll be back in about two weeks, won't we? Yes. Oh, there's a Robin Hood Men in Tights question. <laughs> That's a great film. Go. All right. Robin Hood Men in Tights, 1993 film. Robin Hood enters the sheriff's art. bad person. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. 
Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicebencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.